wrote, I wrote after Andy Kevin Walker on this version of Batman versus Superman. Um, and it was the darkest thing you've ever seen. Hello and welcome to Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series that talks about the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is actor and comedian Eden Porter. Oh, thank you for having me, Cambo. But Eden, we're not alone oh, this what? week. We have special guests on <gasps> from the ever popular Escape Room based podcast, Escape This Podcast. We have Danny Silla. Hello, that's me. Happy to be here. And Bill Sunderland. Where is she? <laughs> uh, hi, welcome. It's me. Now, here's the thing I wanted to bring up is that, Danny, every week on your podcast, you come up with elaborate puzzles and clues to unravel a mystery or sometimes even a crime, which in many ways makes you like the Riddler, essentially. <laughs> That's fair, that's fair. But then on, on the flip side, as as you just kind of alluded to in your introduction, Bill, you're always unraveling those mysteries and working out mm. the things. So in a way, you're like Batman. Although I will say for the most part, it's our guests who... So I, I, it's been so long since I've done one of the rooms. So I think I'm more that text box in the corner that says, meanwhile, in the Batcave. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like... I think a, that's more my role in the you're, show. You're, you're Alfred. Yeah, on, he's on the Alfred. Computer. Of, of <laughs> yeah. Brother I. But... Either way, well suited to talk about this week's cancelled movie project, which is the original Batman vs Superman project. It's pretty weird. It's pretty out there. And in a rare twist, Danny, you've actually read this script as well. I did. It was pretty exciting to read through. You sent through a couple of lines to show what some of the excerpts were going to be like. And I wasn't going to have anything to do with this episode, but I just sneaked my way into the email, did a bit of Googling and then read the whole thing. And had to try not to spoil the whole thing yeah. for Bill, which was not easy. I think that's the sign. I, I knew that we were onto something here because I'd sent it to Bill and Bill, you came back and said, Danny's read it and she really wants to talk about it now. I'm like, <laughs> fantastic, because there's a lot to talk about. This is a script that promotes feelings that need to be expressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, without any further ado, let's get into the original Batman vs Superman. Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice was released in theatres in 2015 and was met with a very divisive reception. Many complained of its overcomplicated plot, its left of centre twists and its dark tone. But who'd have known that the true story and the long history of that film would be much the same as the incarnation that was to come before it. Before Batfleck ever hit the silver screen, way back in the dark ages of the early 2000s, we almost saw a very different yet thematically similar version. This is the story of Batman vs Superman Asylum. Now, before I start breaking oh. down the minutiae of this project, uh, Bill and uh, Eden, is there anything that you already know about this project? No. I've purposely <laughs> totally like not looked into it. I know I I knew there was another script out there floating around, but um, I just thought, you know, the, the Batman's versus Superman that got made, it's just so perfect. <laughs> so why do you need to go to something else, you know? Why would you? Well, I hadn't at all. Uh, now, I've, I did, I've seen a few little snippets of script because I did, uh, I did a couple of scenes that might be coming up later. Uh, although I will also say I've seen... Batman vs Superman that was made, and I couldn't tell you anything about that. Film <laughs> Did I even let's, get through it? let's clarify: we saw about two thirds of it. Yeah, at a certain point, I just had to walk away. In a way, I'm kind of glad that you both said that because this is actually a quite a difficult movie to track down information on. Generally, there's kind of a lot of information online, but really, there's one source of truth about this movie, and I want to give full credit to it. It's it comes from a book called Tales from Development Hell, written by David Hughes. Not to be confused with Australian comedian Dave Hughes. I've got a problem with <laughs> Batman versus Superman. And uh, this oh, good book, on you. <laughs> well, this book has an entire chapter dedicated to this movie. And really, it's kind of like a mystery online. Every now and then we find these, like Indiana Jones and the Monkey King mm. from last season, these like lesser known cancelled movies that there really isn't much about. And it gets me excited because I get to kind of dig into something that people don't know that much about. It's a couple of things of the history of this movie that we need to take into consideration. So it was the early 2000s. Uh, and at this point, uh, this almost acts as a sequel in many ways to our Superman Lives episode, because at this point, Warner Brothers still want to reboot Superman and they still want to reboot Batman. We're still in that stage where both of those film franchises have essentially been annihilated by really bad films. And they're trying to come up with projects and there's a lot of them on the go. 
And at this point in time, something that's very important and it's going to come up next episode, so I want everyone to remember this, is that Warner Brothers weren't just developing one idea, they were developing a lot. And you're going to need to remember Superman Flyby, which is a script by J.J. Abrams. Now, that was being developed at Warner Brothers at the exact same time as kind of a reboot for Superman. Why this was going on, they had kind of got on board Wolfgang Peterson, who at the time he had directed movies like Das Boot, Air Force One and The Perfect Storm. And they had connected him to doing something with the superhero characters. And they were thinking maybe it was going to be flyby. But then in comes screenwriter Andrew Kevin Walker. Now, is anyone here familiar with the work of Andrew Kevin Walker? No. Oh, um, did he... Wait, did he write this script for... Um, Batman vs Superman Asylum. He did, he did write the script for Batman oh, vs Superman Asylum. I, I was about to be so impressed. <laughs> so Andrew, down. Andrew Kevin Walker is he? He was known in Hollywood for being the guy that writes really dark, twisted screenplays. So he oh. wrote the screenplay for Seven, and then he wrote oh, the screenplay. Oh. Uh, for 8mm, so if people haven't yeah. seen it, that's yeah. a Nicolas Cage movie about snuff film. Mm. Uh, and he he has this perpetual problem where he writes these really dark, twisted scripts and then the studio tries to lighten them up and he ends up disowning his films. Yeah. Okay. So this happened to Seven. They, they wanted to take out the spoilers for Seven, the head in the box, the big twist ending, because they thought it was too grotesque. What? And they accidentally left it in the script they sent the cast. And then at that point, it was too late to take <laughs> it out. <They> accidentally <laughs> left it in. Because yeah. I was going to say, I didn't think of Seven as the fluffy, light version of a movie that would be disowned. Yeah, yeah. On, <laughs> on, on first examination. Yeah, he's like, I can't believe you made Seven so up and about <laughs> and fun. <laughs> so the point is, Andrew Kevin Walker came in. And being the dark, brooding screenwriter that he is, he's all obsessed with the, the evil nature of man and all that. He actually pitched a whole separate idea independently saying, I want to write a movie about Batman versus Superman. So he went away and he wrote that script and he turned it into Warner Brothers. Does anyone want to guess what Warner Brothers' next step was? Uh, get it rewritten? Yeah, they lightened it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened on literally every project he's ever written on. Uh, he also wrote Sleepy Hollow as a very dark, like serious horror movie. And then that was lightened up into a Tim Burton film. So yeah, what they did is they said, we like this idea, Andrew Kevin Walker. But what we're going to do is we're going to bring in someone called Akiva Goldsman, who is best known for writing Batman and Robin. Oh, wow. <laughs> wait, hold on. Wait, I'm so bad at my original Batmans. That's, Which is Batman and Robin? Clooney? That's Mr. Freeze. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's Arnold Clooney. Schwarzenegger and Mr. Freeze. Poison Ivy so, and uh, Bane. Two, two separate <laughs> ends of the spectrum, right? So you've got Andrew Gavin Walker writing Seven and you've got Akiva Goldsman writing Batman and Robin. Now, full credit to Akiva Goldsman. He did write Batman and Robin, but he's also an Academy Award winning screenwriter. He wrote the script for A Beautiful Mind. So he's not an idiot. He can write good <laughs> scripts. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. He's an Academy Award winning screenwriter. Okay, I'm going to have to look written. this up. Am I? The <laughs> person just... that wrote Batman and Robin did yeah. not write A Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind. Yes. So yeah, Akiva Goldsman comes on and, and he rewrites this script, which is the script that's leaked online and the very script that we have is Andrew Kevin Walker with revisions by Akiva Goldsman. He was there to lighten it up a bit. I'm very much already feeling like, oh, this makes sense so much more than as I read it. Yes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's going to be really dark, serious, and then there's going to be like a pratfall at some point. Someone's going to slip in on a banana. God, you're not far off, Edith. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a little clip of, of Akiva, and he's talking about the tone of the project, but he also reveals some of the people involved in it. So I'm going right. to play this clip, and then we're going to discuss what he talked about. I worked, uh, I wrote I wrote after Andy Kevin Walker on this version of Batman versus Superman with, with Colin Carroll was cast as Batman. Jude Law was cast as Superman. Wolfgang Pearson was uh, directing. We were in prep um, and it was the darkest thing you've ever seen. So there we are. Wow. There's, there's a couple of hints there for you. Uh, he claims that Colin Farrell was cast as Batman and Jude Law was cast as Superman and Wolfgang Peterson was attached to direct and they were in pre-production. Now, Jude Law, Superman. 
Yeah, do, 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 you can't imagine Superman with the receding the hairline. hairline. Of no, Jude Law. not at all. Well, it's funny that that you you bring up Jude Law in particular because every time we research these, there's some slightly conflicting information oh. between people. So Jude Law doesn't deny that this happened, but uh, Akiva Goldsman saying he was definitely cast. I've got a clip of Jude Law talking about the role of Superman on on Colbert, and he kind of indicates that he wasn't as on board as as. Akiva's suggesting. This was a while ago. So you remember they were rebooted. They rebooted uh, uh, Superman, not this last time with, with um, Henry Carvel. They did it once before. Yeah, yeah. Um, like and, 2004 or something yeah, like that. Something yeah, something like that. Um, when I was obviously young enough to, to play Superman. I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> I was approached. And, and at the time, I don't know, I just didn't, didn't float my boat. You know, I was like, I just didn't really want to go there. Um, First of all, I was... You don't I, want to be I, the man of steel? Well, I was, I'm an Englishman, and I, I felt like, you know, I don't know, it just didn't seem to fit. And, and I was always worried about the uni- the outfit, and I, I just didn't fancy it. And this director was very keen to, 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 to meet and, and, and impress, me, impress it upon me. And I was actually then out in California, and he said, look, just get, you've got to try this suit on. The suit's amazing. We've revamped the suit, and... I was like, okay, send the suit over, send the suit over. So my, there's a knock on my hotel room. like a guard? Did they come over? Oh, yeah. What? There's a guard, a big guard, right? And, the, and, the, and this uh, uh, lady from the, the wardrobe, and they bring the suit in, and I'm, I'm like, well, I'm not going to try it on in front of you. I was like, I'm going to go in the bathroom, right? So I take the suit into the bathroom. Suddenly I'm putting it on, and, and then I look around, and I'm in the mirror, and suddenly I'm Superman, right? <laughs> I thought, this... And the music kind of comes in, so I'm stood there. And then I have this picture of that, of me in that costume, you know, on posters all around the world. And I was like, no way. And I unzipped it. But I was Superman. Did you take a selfie or anything like that? No, it was, it's in there. I was Superman for two minutes. So he didn't seem as on board as was suggested, but he definitely did try on the suit. He was talking to people about it. That's amazing. He did say the one thing that was the first thing that came into my head, which is, but he's not American. That's weird. But I, I'm just, I'm just so disappointed we were robbed of like, all right, Superman, what are you doing here? I've got, I'm going to get in my, in my Batmobile. I'm going to shoot that person because I'm a dark version. Oh no, no, you couldn't do that. Please, Batman, don't do it. Don't do it, Batman. It'd be terrible for you. It's interesting you bring up the drunken Irishman, Colin Farrell. Because he has been a bit more vocal about the fact that he would have loved to play Batman. And I've got a couple of clips here of him kind of confirming that. Came across an article, a couple of articles I wrote 10 years ago this week about you being up for Batman versus Superman. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, it, and it hit me. I'm like, okay, they just that. wrapped up the, the Nolan Batman stuff. So what, what would your take on Batman have been? And oh, now that they're, there's kind of, you know, they're going to reboot it again. You're still young enough to play him. Would you want to pick a I crack? Don't, I don't. I don't. I mean, part of me is a kid. Me that. Not even a kid, but a kid. Actually, yes, and an adult in me that would go, yeah, for sure. And uh, you were talking about missed opportunities. For me, a missed opportunity that we sadly never got to see you was Batman in oh. Peterson's film. How close was oh, that to yeah. actually coming into fruition? I don't know. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Um, I remember meeting Wolfgang for it. I think. Jeez, it must have been 14 years ago or so. But no, I would have, yeah, I would have jumped at that at that point. Yeah. Which Now, what I love about this is his go-to tactic is to pretend he'd forgotten about it. <laughs> every time they're like, you was Batman, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, what was that? Yeah, like you wouldn't think about it every single day of your life. But it's funny because he, it's come full circle now. Because he's the penguin yeah. in the new The Batman. So he's, it's sort of like, oh, what could have been? Do you think he looks across at Robert Pattinson and he's like, oh, he could have done that? <laughs> You've done it all right. I legitimately, when you first said Colin Farrell, I went, oh, and isn't it good? He eventually did play Batman, didn't he? Apparently, I thought no. that that worked. <laughs> I think that's good. I don't mind. Like, I think it's fair class. Like, you can picture him, right? You can picture the the face, like the Bruce Wayne-ness. You can picture the Batman-ness. I, mean, I, think I love him. I well. think he could have played any of the roles. He could play anybody. <laughs> name a, you name a role and it could have, would have been done better by Colin Farrell so that's that's the cast they're the two big hitters is uh, Colin Farrell and Jude Law Batman and Superman so is that that's who we're imagining when we're going to be experiencing this yes yes yeah, yeah that's great. who you're picturing that's, in yeah, your mind's eye fan. love it uh, and then of course Wolfgang Peterson is the director and he kind of does big scope Hollywood stuff he had a quote here uh, this is from v- uh, Variety in 2002 where he says 
it's uh, it's the Clash of the Titans. I was I almost did the German accent, and then in the last minute I thought better of it. It's the Clash of the Titans. They play off each other so perfectly. Superman is clear, bright, and all that is noble and good, and Batman represents the dark, obsessive, and vengeful side. They're two sides of the same coin, and it's material for great drama. That was his kind of take mm-hmm. on Batman wow. versus Superman as a concept. The last thing that we need to know about this is obviously there's several projects being developed. This one here, Batman vs. Superman, is being championed by a Warner Brothers executive called Lorenzo de Bonaventura, who actually came up a few times in our Superman Lives episode because he was also the champion of that that's, movie. Yeah. And he loved this idea and he was right behind it. So that's something as well I want you to hold on to because that's going to come back in episode okay. two. Okay. But we know who was going to make the film. We know the tone was going to be very dark and we know who was going to star. So without any further ado, let's get into Batman vs. Superman Assignment. We start in Metropolis, the Freedom Promenade, a giant 700-foot monument with flags from all the countries of the world surrounding it. It's peaceful. Suddenly, a black armoured car crashes into the side of the promenade. The doors of the truck open and people run for their lives as terrorists start opening fire. Big barrels are brought from the truck and stacked up. Across town at the Daily Planet, we see a broad man typing at his unfashionable typewriter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Does he have glasses? Does he have glasses? Well, he, he, yeah, it's yeah, Clark Kent at this point, nerd. obviously. Suddenly, his head cocks to the side, a close-up of his ear. He's super hearing. This is Clark Kent. He jumps to his feet. A co-worker tries to make small talk, but Clark is distracted by the sounds of gunfire and screams. He ignores his co-worker and hurries off. Now, this is something that sticks out right at the beginning of this script. And Danny, I wonder if you remember it. Do you remember what his co-worker says to him at this point? Can we try and guess? Can Eden and I try and guess? Yeah. I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for. Oh, he's always running away when there's excitement to be found. Yep, that's not a bad guess. Eden. Okay, I, uh, I'm thinking more along the lines of, oh, that Clark Kent. He's so rude. Yeah, yeah. You've both forgotten that this is a very dark and brooding movie. Oh, um, um. <clears throat> oh, I, I, was it? Is it? Is it? Um, my wife just miscarried. <laughs> I think I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> too oh, dark boy. have I gone too far That's look that was probably in the original draft and then they lightened it up <laughs> yeah it was dark and then they lightened it up to my favourite insult that always sounds wrong coming out of an American's mouth uh, he calls him a dickhead he calls him a dickhead <laughs> really <laughs> Batman scurries away and the guy says what a dickhead <laughs> So dark, brooding. In yeah, fact, through, through this movie, maybe we should maybe we should <laughs> keep checking in on how brooding this is. Okay? okay. So Superman flies to the scene, but he's too late. The bomb, all the things stacked up together, they blow, and the monument starts falling. Oh. The head terrorist jumps back into his car to escape, and Superman flies around holding up the towering monument to make sure it doesn't crash into the surrounding people. And as the terrorists are driving away, they crash the truck while they're trying to escape. There's so much chaos going on. Superman manages to push the tower structure back up and sit it where it was. It's still destroyed, but it will no longer kill anyone if it falls. The terrorist crawls out of the crashed truck where he is attacked by a mob of angry civilians, one of which wields a lead pipe, and they are beating him to death. It's dark well, and brooding. That's really dark. It's dark and brooding. Uh, yeah, uh, Eden, if you could just check the broodometer. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, well, it's uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's at nearly at midnight. <laughs> now, <laughs> Superman, he, he comes in and he stops the crowd. And his eyes are glowing red to warn everyone to stay away. The script actually just de- it describes him as terrifying. And he tells them that justice will be served for this terrorist no matter what. And he flies away with him. So he stops the gang from murdering this terrorist. But he's, he's just about to burn the gang with his heat vision. No, no, he's... he's, he's he, that's a threat. Just, it's just a threat. He'd never do it. Yeah, but no, but it sounds like softy. he's thinking about no, it. No, no, to be clear, he's not heat visioning the terrorist. He's he's putting his the, the eyes crowd. red for the crowd that's to what say, I mean. leave that's, him alone. That's not Superman. That's not... Hashtag not my Superman. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, dark and brooding. So, now, uh, they're... they're he flies away with the, the, the terrorist and they're flying over the, the river in Metropolis when Superman is suddenly sprayed with a green kryptonite from the thug's watch. They both start falling rapidly into the river. Superman manages to come out of it and see what's going on and he's floating in the river and he sees the terrorist face just 
floating in the water. It's a mask. <gasps> and inside of the mask are words. And it says, this is just the beginning. Oh. So it's a setup. They knew Superman was going to be there. They concocted this to get to Superman. It would have been better inside the mask. Instead of saying that, it just said, Oi, dickhead. <laughs> Got you again. Uh, what about what about inside the mask? It says, Batman versus Superman. Asylum. Asylum. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been, I love an in-world title sequence. But that's, that's oh. the opening action sequence to this film is terrorist attack on a huge monument. Uh, crowd tries to beat a terrorist to death. Superman, Superman the dickhead, swoops in and he threatens to laser the crowd, takes the villain away, but the villain kryptonites him and he's been wearing a mask. So much, always so much kryptonite around, man. Everyone <laughs> seems to have kryptonite. Oh, yeah, everyone knows. Every, I mean, every criminal knows that there is a chance, right, that Superman's going to be there, so it's only smart. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. You'd, you'd always carry it. This whole intro sequence, it's funny because it does have some stuff like the dickhead that's just, oh, yeah, we're going to be a little more edgy. But it still really managed to maintain the, oh, this is the stuff you have to have in a Superman movie. Like, it's got the shot of the monument falling down and people running, but one woman just standing there staring (laughs) up at it, clearly about to be crushed until he just manages to stop it. you got things like that. You've got the classic scene of falling into the water, and I think it even included camera angles that they wanted of him struggling under the water and then an like an above the water shot of nothing until he breaks <laughs> through at last. Yeah, the classic <laughs> moment of stillness. We all thought he was dead. Like, oh, um, here's a here's a question that feels like it's gotta be there. For the people who haven't read this script, do you believe there is or is not going to be an it's a bird, it's a plane? Oh what do you like which of the two script writers do you reckon seized control of that? <laughs> we're now cutting away to Wayne Manor. And Eden, as someone that's listened to the Justice League episode because you were there, we this is gonna surprise you because there's a change of scenery at Wayne Manor. It's not a birthday party this time. Are you kidding me? It's always a birthday party. No, we cut to Wayne Manor to the wedding. Of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, okay. Well, they've, they've substituted <laughs> birthday. There's all, we were just saying there's always, at Wayne Manor, there's always an event on. Yeah. There's always a wedding or a birthday or something. And then he always has to act <laughs> badly yeah. and, and be mean to people to get them to leave. No, this is a very different Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is happy. This is the wedding of Bruce Wayne what? and his love, Elizabeth. Hang on, hang on, what? Yes, Bruce Wayne's getting married to Elizabeth Miller. I'm not familiar with that name. Uh, Nor should you be. Elizabeth Miller is set up for this movie. Oh, okay. Which I think speaks echoes to where this movie is heading. Okay. Uh, Now- Because there's no no good female characters that you can pull from the comic books that you can put into a situation like this. And we're going to get into the female characters in just a few moments. (laughs) Uh, We cut to Wayne Manor and it's the wedding of Bruce Wayne and his love, Elizabeth. And Superman is his best man. Well, Clark Kent at this point. And after the ceremony, Bruce talks to Barbara Gordon. I never thought I'd see the day. We learn that Commissioner Jim Gordon is dead. What? Dark and brooding. Oh, yeah. My dad would have loved to see this. Oh, you know what would have been better? What's that? So they've got all the wedding presents, and one of them's a box, Mm -hmm. and they open the box, and it's Jim Gordon's (laughs) head. Barbara's like, what's in the box? What's in the box? Bruce, what's in the box? (laughs) So, yeah, Commissioner Gordon is dead and Barbara is now the new commissioner. As it is, a hereditary position. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like the wrong family. family. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they appointed her when she was 16. You'll grow into it. Uh, We also learn a little bit about the Joker, who is also dead. What? (laughs) The Joker is dead. And we learn that Elizabeth is the perfect woman. Those lines are actually said by Barbara Gordon. Could she be any more perfect? So we're at the wedding and later on we find Clark is up on a balcony by himself looking for lawn. And Bruce- Who's, who's lawn? He's <laughs> very good. That's a, that's a classic dad joke. Maybe. Yeah, thank you, Dick. He's looking for lawn. Yeah, good. Uh, and uh, Bruce kind of spots him and he walks over to see what's up. A million for your thoughts? Careful. I might hold you to it. Congratulations, my friend. You okay? Couldn't be better. <laughs> you know, all these years, you'd think you'd be better at lying. 
I'm a strong suit. Any word from her? Bruce, this is your day. We're getting a divorce. Oh, God. Clark, I'm... I'm so sorry. It's the job. You know? Truth and justice in the American way doesn't leave a lot of time. <sighs> What's it been? Five years now since Batman's been gone? You ever miss it? Some nights I wake up to the sound of sirens and my heart starts pounding, sure. And then I remember. After Dick was murdered, it stopped being about the justice. It started being about revenge. And here's the thing about blood. You develop a taste for it. And then a thirst. I was putting them in hospital and it... It wasn't enough. I wanted to kill them. Each one in that endless parade of freaks. And I knew if I started killing, well, I wouldn't stop. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. It's a weakness we have. A, a human thing. It was time for me to live in the light again. Will you tell her? Nothing to tell. Batman's dead. Hey, Clark, at, at the monument. What happened? Kryptonite. The mask, the note. It was a setup. As if he knew I'd save him. This guy's not finished. I can feel it. You be careful, okay? Oh, there is a lot oh, to unpack oh in that God. scene. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who okay. wrote this section? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Brudometer, where oh, are we at? Oh, mate, it's, we're, we're, at, we're at Peltro's head. <laughs> they've just literally <laughs> oh my killed, God. They've killed everyone in basically the yes. first, second can, can, scene. You know what this uh, reminds me of? When I was in high school, uh, I was, of course, a big fan fiction writer, and I normally just wrote sweet, sappy stuff, but once I really wanted to write an angsty tragedy one, and so the very first thing that happened to the main character was he got shot. <laughs> and I everything just kept getting worse from there. And I feel like that's what happened here. They went, okay, this is duck. Bam, dead. Bam, <laughs> yeah. dead. Bam, divorced. Yes, well, I've got a recap here. In fact, not in that scene, but a bit earlier on, they mentioned... Alfred, he's dead. Oh, my God. Robin, Cancer. He, he's dead. <laughs> Robin is dead. Gordon, dead. dead. Joker, dead. Lois and Clark, divorced. Oh, mate. Yeah. They're not it's messing around. They're is, not messing around. They're not even... They're just, this, is, this is nightmare material, <laughs> my friend. Well, Clark returns to his newly emptied apartment. Bruce goes on his honeymoon. And we see a montage of good times with Bruce and Elizabeth as they walk around the streets. Bruce sees her talk to an unseen man at the beach. They have a romantic dinner together. But one night, she tells Bruce that she has made something for him. She says, it's for when everything seems at its worst, to show you how much I love you. And that she's going to give him this special thing a little bit later on. <laughs> see, it's all beach and sex and good times until one night, the perfect Elizabeth stands on the balcony laughing 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 grotesquely she writhes and collapses dead with a huge joker grin across her face and bruce cradles her as she dies and from her neck sticks a small bumblebee dart and it's striped and it looks like something that the joker would have used but he's dead bruce he's looks dead. and well, he, he sees <laughs> Yeah. Bruce looks and he sees a message written on the hotel wall. It says, this is the beginning of the end. Oh, that reminds me. I would, I would also like to point out, this is another this is the beginning message. Why didn't... 
In that previous scene, he was like, oh, this terrorist, you know, the one who left a mask behind that said this is only the beginning? I have a feeling that's not the end of him. Like, yeah, <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> How do you not expect this? Yeah. How do you expect this exact thing to happen? <laughs> oh, well, there are many curious things about that that I actually love. Like, the one thing that I will say I love about this is, ooh, this was not Batman being targeted by anything. This was Bruce Wayne being targeted. Yes. And isn't that cool? Oh, yeah. It's a great distinction. Now, Batman's dead. On to the less cool side. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So uh, okay, at, someone at, else is at dead. This, at this point, I think that we need to talk about fridging. So uh, let's let's provide some context for for those that, that are not as aware of it. But fridging was coined by Gail Simone, as a comic book writer, in reference to a Green Lantern comic from the nineties. And, and in this comic, uh, it's Kyle Rayner who was Green Lantern at the time. He comes home to an apartment to find his girlfriend dead and stuffed into a fridge. And it's kind of become a comic book and movie trope in which a female character is just killed, raped, or in some way tortured solely to motivate a male character yeah. to go and do something. And this is one of the more obvious uh, depictions of fridging, fridging I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> And it's a very, uh, let's say, ambitious example because this isn't a character, this Elizabeth, that we've cared about in previous iterations or anything. So within the span of, I don't know, 10 minutes of movie, they have to make this someone we really don't care about. So they tried to put... You're forgetting that they said that she's the perfect woman, though. <laughs> they, they put did that say well. Camber, what was your opinion of Elizabeth? Um, she was... Uh... She was like suspiciously perfect in every way. Everything she, was fun. She, and was she was the so cool light girl. And, yes, she was. She was the ultimate cool girl. Yeah, the it, it was ultimate. Girl. There's a great subreddit called women, women written by men. <laughs> yeah, and this very much falls into that, like in every single I, way, being I, like, isn't I she can't just tell the you. best? I think I may have said out loud, Bill, as I was reading this, mm. how much I hated her. I believe the examples you gave. <laughs> Uh, when I ever, you, you couldn't stop yourself. There were moments where she like, they like go out out the back, and she's They're like, "Are oh, you having a, a drink? Better save one for me. You're having a smoke? Better save one for me because yep. I'm yep. so cool." She can't wear her high heels oh, because they're so not practical for dancing, and she just yeah. wants to have fun and yes. be awesome. Not like yes. those other girls. Anyway, I can't believe they've killed everyone's yeah. favorite character, Elizabeth Miller. <laughs> yeah, 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 and exactly. she's died by what looks like Joker toxin or venom, yeah. uh, but the Joker's dead. And someone's written, this is the beginning of the end. It's good that they've finished the message on this one. We now cut to Superman flying desperately through the night. He arrives at the crime scene. Elizabeth is dead on the ground, yellow tape everywhere and policemen making notes. But Bruce is nowhere to be found. We cut as lightning cracks and Bruce drives recklessly through the Gotham streets in his Rolls Royce. He pulls up to Wayne Manor and he starts to run inside, anger in his eyes. He stumbles through the hallways and is headed straight for the Batcave. The darkness of the hallway entering into the Batcave. He's ready to enter via the secret bookcase when suddenly he hears someone call out his name. Bruce. Elizabeth. He's gone, Bruce. You know that. What are you doing here? I heard what happened. I am so sorry. I want to help whoever's attacking you. He's attacking both of us. We can- She's dead, Clark. So what exactly is it that we're going to do? You should go. Bruce, I've known you for too long not to know what you're thinking. No. No, you can't imagine what I'm thinking. I'm going to find whoever did this. And when I do, I'm going to take their skin and hang it in front of their eyes. Before they die, they'll know pain to make what I feel now feel like a distant whisper. You can't go back down there. You'll destroy everything you are. Everything you've done. And all those deaths, your parents, dicks, even Elizabeth, it will be in vain. Don't you dare! Don't you dare say her name! Why didn't you let the mob have him, Clark? You hadn't interfered. She'd still be alive. Please, Bruce. I couldn't know. You and your rules. What do you know about human suffering? You're some space freak looking down on us, preaching storybook wisdoms. You don't have to write. That's what Lois knew. 
You're not even one of us. How dare you decide who lives and who dies? Now look. You killed her. I'm sorry. I never meant to. You are looking for forgiveness. You have come to the wrong place. I'll find who did this. But you can't murder him, old friend. I won't let you. How dare you. You self-righteous son of a bitch. Bruce, please. Get the hell out of my house. Listen to me. Get out! Now! We better check that broodometer. Mate, that is at dickhead level. <laughs> when I find him, I'm going to take his ears. I'm going to rip him off and stick him to my fists so he can hear it. When I punch him in the face and pull his teeth out through his nose. Then I'm going to take his legs, tie him in a little pretzel and set it on fire. <laughs> now, the, the thing that I liked most about that is during that scene, as you were listening to it, when Bruce said, that's what Lois knew, Eden, you actually went, <gasps> I know, mate, that's a, that's a low blow. The man's just been divorced. Well, to be fair, uh, there was a line from Superman there where he said, what about all those deaths? Your parents, dicks. Uh, so he, he made the first, he took the first insult. There. He did. He did. Yeah. <laughs> mate, that's, that's uh, look, I'll, I'll give it this much. Mm. That's a more reasonable reason for them to hate each other yeah. than anything that happened in, in Batman, versus Batman versus Superman. It yeah. honestly is. It honestly is. I think, like, here's the thing. I am a sucker for the Andrew Kevin Walker super serious broody thing. It's so overblown, but, like, when you see it, like saying that he's going to take their skin and hang it in front of their <laughs> eyes. It, part, of, part of me, the 15-year-old me that used to love, like, 8mm or whatever, is like, <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so now we're seeing where the conflict is coming from. Bruce wants to kill whoever's killed Elizabeth and Superman. He we won't let that happen. He's the beacon of light. Superman is the vengeful one. Uh, sorry, uh, Superman is the beacon of light. Batman is the vengeful one. So we now cut to the funeral of Elizabeth. Rain pours down on mourners stand under their umbrellas. Except Bruce, who stares in the rain. Yeah, <laughs> brooding. We see her gravestone a long time, uh, alongside Thomas, Martha, Dick and Alfred. He's really racking them up, isn't he? Wow, so they're just in... That's quite a large section of the uh, cemetery now <laughs> yeah. that he's taken over. Just, just the people he, he knows. So Clark asks for some time off from work to deal with his personal problems. And he heads back to Smallville to clear his mind. While Bruce stares into the entrance of the Batcave, the darkness is calling and the sound of bat wings flapping in his head, calling him. He steps... <laughs> Into the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> so he's finally, he's decided he's going back. He's going back out there. So Bruce sits in the Batcave and he says, I need you, Alfred. Then who should appear but the man himself? With a caveat. Uh, Danny, do you want to describe how Alfred appears in this film? Semi-robotic hologramically. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh I yeah. Say, I was thinking hologram. Hologrammatic Alfred. Okay, this is good. This so is good. he asks hologram Alfred. Hello, Bruce. You are quite good <laughs> at turning me on. <laughs> uh, you probably should ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part was when I was reading it, uh, the exact line in the script at first just says, "A figure steps out of the shadows, elegant in his tails." Alfred Pennyworth. So I just had to go. Wait, wait. He was just in the Batcave for five years? <laughs> no, Hold on. Hold no on. food and water. <laughs> Did you I've been knocking from the inside for years. <laughs> Did you happen to bring any supplies, sir? <laughs> so he asks Hologram Alfred to sweep all available resources for the keywords Joker, Elizabeth Wayne, Batman, Kryptonite, Superman, and Mask. Then Batman suits up and he heads out. We now cut to the Gotham sewers beneath a jewellery store. Two criminals are leaving after they've just broken into the jewellery store above. You know, one-armed Charlie had a dream that the Batman was back. Whatever. Yeah, remember the kind of scared you'd get when you were a little kid? Ghost stories, pops. I don't think there ever even was no Batman. Drowning, begging, scared. That's what it make you feel like. So, some whack job went running around with wings on. So what? So you shoot him. Bang! Done. A shadow crosses from above. The thief looks up. In the skylight. What was that a glimpse of? The edge of a cape? What's wrong? Nothing. Let's get moving. They climb down into the labyrinth of round pipeways. 
they all flick on their high-density lights on their goggles. The leader's light is a black light, illuminating a day-glow spray paint on the pipe walls. Their roadmap. They splash onwards, up to their ankles in water. They pick up the pace at a jog, footsteps resounding, turning here, turning there, guided by the glowing paint through these never-ending passageways. The two thieves arrive at a knee-deep four-way intersection. The leader spins, searching, black lights shining. You washed it off. You washed off the paint. What are you talking about? He who? Okay, okay, it's, 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 uh, it's this one. Yeah, come on, this way out. No, we came through here. The leader thief scrambles down his chosen passageway. The younger thief pulls out a handgun, heading in another direction. The young thief runs, stumbling, falls over. Suddenly, ah. someone behind him drops. Use your gun. Too late. The older thief is running out until suddenly he finds himself at a dead end. A figure appears. It's just you and me now. I give up. I surrender. You should get your friend to a hospital. Compound fractures can be very time-sensitive injuries. Okay, okay, but I told you already. Okay, I surrender. Not yet. You used to run with the Joker, so you're my man, Eddie. Spread the word. Batman lives. And whoever's masquerading as the Clown Prince, his blood will spill. Is a dead man. So Batman is back. And he's looking for whoever's behind this. But this is a classic... Batman scene, I feel. Totally. Now, where do you, where does this fit to you on the broodometer? Because I feel it's quite appropriate yeah, for where it is. It just feels like a scene from Batman. Do you remember the first line of that scene? Uh, no. Oh. Yeah. One-eyed Charlie had a dream Batman was Which is the <laughs> I want to know about that. I don't care about yeah. anything this else. This is a very different subplot that like, I want to follow. one-eyed yeah. Charlie? This, this kind of like new, this Gotham City, uh, oh. like, prophet this oracle of the sewers. He's the <laughs> coolest character I've ever seen. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, for, seen that's for the spin-off movie. Yeah, yeah. The, the one-arm one Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Future telling movie that they've got in the wings. But um, here's what I find really interesting about this movie. One of the things that Batman vs Superman was criticised for was the fact that Batman quite flippantly killed. Yeah. He killed quite a lot of people. But the crux of this movie is that Batman might kill. Yeah. The the whole thing is building towards Batman doing the one thing that he never does. does. Isn't it interesting that it's still darker than the other movie, but he still hasn't killed anyone? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's about that, that and that's that's what I get back to, that whole idea of Batman and Superman not actually killing people. Yeah. And then what they did with Man of Steel and everything like that. And it's good that they're holding on to that. Because yeah. that is so <laughs> true to what those yeah. characters are. Yeah. So I good. find it really interesting that it's so dark and so brooding and it like, you know, he's saying very vicious things, but he still hasn't killed anyone. Yeah. But it's true because it makes it much much more reasonable because we know Batman doesn't kill. So it's like an actual character conflict to be like, look what's happened. Oh, it's so dark. Because look how far he's been pushed. Will he, you know, it's actually, you know, if he just kind of went, you know, oh, they killed my wife. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> okay, well, like, what are we doing here? Not that there's no market for that movie. We've seen that a lot of times well, that's as well. just John Wick. But John yeah, Wick, John I Wick, really yeah. appreciate that. I like this pushing of this. Uh, I'm a sort of person, in, in any uh, tabletop RPG campaign, I make the character who never kills people. Because it's really serious, guys. Not everyone just goes around killing people. Come on. <laughs> So we now cut to Smallville, and it's a quiet little town of Superman's childhood. We return with Clark to his childhood home. He's looking around. The house is old and dusty. Now, the house is empty. Does anyone want to guess the status of uh, Superman's parents? I think they moved to Florida, probably, and they're living long and happy <laughs> lives happy. down there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, they're yeah, loving yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. I think they got divorced, but then happily remarried to two other people. Clark gets like double Christmas and it's all really nice and everyone's pretty happy. Just go check the broodometer. Oh, they're dead. Oh, okay, yeah. good. <laughs> ah, damn it. Who'd so have guessed? Clark goes and he enters the barn out the back and he goes down on his knees and he starts smashing through the floor. And beneath the barn's floor is the disassembled spaceship that took him to Earth all those years ago. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the disassembled bodies of Mara Parkett. Of Alfred and Robin. <gasps> Twist. <laughs> so Clark now wanders the streets of Smallville when something catches his eyes on TV. Reports of the Batman returning in Gotham, more violent than ever. 
while in a local... <laughs> They're interviewing One-Eyed Charlie on the news. <laughs> <laughs> and now to our reporter on the ground, it's One-Eyed Charlie. <laughs> Noah, of all things, Batman. So uh, while in a local store, Clark runs into his old flame, Lana. Lana Lang. Oh, yeah, Lana Lang. Yeah. Lana Small Lang. Got both in this world. Yeah. <laughs> there is a sweet reunion, and she clearly knows that he is Superman in this movie. She makes jokes about cool. you know, the fact that they've clearly known each other a long time, and she knows who he is. Uh, she tells him that she was sorry to hear about Clark and Lois's divorce, though I don't think she's that sorry, if oh. you get what I mean. Was she winking when yeah, she yeah. was saying it? <laughs> uh, but this, this nice moment is interrupted by a frantic teenager bursting in the store and screaming for help. Clark and Lana follow the teen and they run to a bridge above a rushing river where they discover a group of local teens were playing truth or dare. And one teen <gasps> was dared kill him, to... Kill him, Superman! <laughs> well, one teen was dared to jump from the bridge into the river, but he's never come back up. Clark dives in and rescues the young team by pulling the car door that he's trapped in um, off the thing, rescues the team. And Clark and Lana reconnect once more at the local hospital after all of this commotion. Hang on, hang on. He, he drove off the bridge? Well, the car was already down at the bottom from some pri- from a prior oh, okay. He did jump into a car. So, yeah, the dare was to go down and look at this. It was like a famous crash from the town's history and they were supposed to go uh, in and have a look at the gate and he got stuck in there. Okay, okay, okay. Good, good. Thank you for clearing what do you want? What, what do you want, context for every scene? Get out of here. <laughs> The one thing that I found funny about this, and again, I don't think I could stop myself from making a comment to you, Billy, because I had just a complaint in that whenever someone is having a bit of a lazy right and they need a child, the child can only have one of two names. Their name is either Billy or Timmy. Yeah, I was <laughs> and gonna say Billy. in this scene, shit you not, the kid who gets trapped is named Billy. The person who crashed the car that's down there was named Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> And just a little uh, little sneak peek, there's more lazy writing coming up. Oh, uh, there's, good. there's a Can't line wait. in particular I want to point out. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Clark and Lana have reconnected after this, uh, this event. They're getting on well. We now cut to a warehouse where the former criminal, the Toy Man, works on making some mysterious gadgets. He has a teddy bear that sits open on the table and its chest ripped open and he's placing in a time bomb inside of the teddy bear. Does it say time bomb, does it? <laughs> yes. It's like the classic, like, sticks of dynamite wrapped up with a little... He's, yeah, he's yeah. placing that Rhythm in the teddy bear. Oh, it's a time and bomb. He's, uh, he's working at his bench and he reaches out and then suddenly he's given it the, the tool that he needs. Thank you, Batman. Oh, Batman! Sweet Fanny Athens! What are you doing here? Looking for you. Found you. How did you get past the alarm system? Tore it out. Well, what do you want? Or did you just go around door to door seeking out reformed criminals and, and putting them through trauma? And this? Oh, oh, oh this? Oh, no. This is a harmless hobby. Oh, purely for my own amusement. What are you going to do? Have me taken in for unlawful tinkering? Bruce holds up the bumblebee that killed Elizabeth. This looks like your work. What, what, what is that? I, I don't know what you're implying. I've never seen that before in my life. If you've really never seen this, then there's nothing more for you to fear than a pin. Careful now. I'm a bleeder. Batman notices Toy Man's metal hand. You're not quite the man we were last time we met. Well, occupational asset. Batman opens the vice on the table. Put your hand in. Toy Man places in his metal hand. Nice try. Batman shoves Toy Man's good hand and puts it in the vise. I'm going to ask questions, but every answer I don't like. The vise tightens. Subtle. In the past, you've supplied the Joker with these deadly toys. That was never proven. I... Who did you make this for? I've never produced any such weapon, nor supplied it to any person for any diabolical purposes. You hear me? You may take this as my absolute, absolutely unequivocal denial. Who is impersonating the Joker? <laughs> Who is impersonating the Joker? No one! I swear, no one! He's back! Joker's back! 
big revelations Joker's there. Back. Joker's back. Well, now, could, uh, well, I just want to quickly point something out there with that scene. The scene that you just heard is a little bit shorter than the scene in the script. And I want to see if you can tell maybe if there was a difference of writers. Because halfway through that scene, they are also attacked by a man in a biplane. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, excuse me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I dare say that the original scene sounds very Andrew Kevin Walkery. He's putting a man's mm. hand in the vice, he's getting information, and then suddenly this biplane comes and starts shooting at them. So, yeah, yes, we've we, we abridged it for the uh, for the sake of audio recreation. You, couldn't get, sound, you a, couldn't get the sound of a biplane? I, well, I just think that might have been a little rewrite that was added to lighten the scene up. <laughs> oh, I will say, this is my second moment of, like, I legitimately really enjoy the the kind of world building aspects of like I mean we joked about it but like one eye Charlie dreamt of Batman is very cool and the toy man just being like oh since I've last seen you you've lost a hand you got this crazy like vice grip thing he's just like yeah that just happened it's like that's that's its own like we could do a spin off one day but like that's just a thing that happened it's like it's this you don't need it for the story but it's this added little like yeah, look, I've got a life. I'm a real villain with my own stuff going on. And the fact on. that they then used it with this vice gag. Yeah, then it was for a Love gag. That. But I just, it's nice no, writing. I really I liked that. it. It made it not just 100% a throwaway random. If only line. there'd been a biplane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why? There, there's a uh, screenwriting technique uh, developed by Blake Snyder called A Pope in the Pool. And it's kind of what you're talking about, Bill, which is um, if you've got a character that is inherently not that interesting, you give them something a little odd. So the example they talk is there's a script that he was writing in which someone was explaining something to the Pope and it was very boring. So he decided to put the Pope in a pool doing laps. And suddenly you're kind of distracted by like, why is the Pope doing, is there a pool in the Vatican? What's going on here? The idea I is like- I not know this one. I love it. Yeah. So the, the idea being he's got a metal hand. Doing this thing, like, wait, what's happened here? Where's this guy been? Yeah. Suddenly, he's a lot more interesting. The same thing, the classic one is give him an eye patch. Yeah. Give someone an eye patch. Suddenly, they're like, well, this guy's been through some stuff. Yeah. How really did he lose his eye? What's happened to him? Yes. So, I think this is a great example of the Pope in the pool. <laughs> so, we cut back to Clark, who is still working on something in the barn, welding metal, when Lana shows up with some takeout. The two share a romantic night, and Clark tells Lana of his struggles fitting in with regular humans and that Smallville is and Kent Farm are the only places that he feels human. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, hanging upside down in his bat cave. No, no, <laughs> no. That man does not no. hang and sleep like a bat. I'm sorry. This is one thing that I really like about certain well. writers. We found it in um, the the... Spider-Man movie is when writers are obsessed with the character becoming the animal that they are. <laughs> You're talking about yeah. like there's a big thing the about how in the in the James Cameron Spider-Man, Peter is becoming a spider, and in this they're like, well, he's a bat. He's hanging upside down in the cave. Yeah, what do bats do? Yeah, yeah, they hang upside down. <laughs> anyway, Batman summons the Batmobile, which is described in the script as such: the car out of myth, new, sharper, jet black lines, glowing helm. This is tomorrow's Batmobile. <laughs> what, year, what year was this again? Uh, 2002. Okay, good. Yeah. Turn of the century yeah, Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. Like, are you telling me you made a Batmobile <laughs> out of a DeLorean? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to, yeah, tomorrow's Batmobile. So it's sleek, new and sexy. So Batman drives to the local cemetery where he approaches the coffin of Jack Napier. Oh, so that's the history they're going oh, with. That's, now, so that's interesting that's, um, wrinkle. Um, 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 you know that guy, the actor, yeah. that's the, yeah, the one from the thing. Jack you know, Jack Napier guy. is the name Jack of Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's it's Joker, Joker yeah. specifically. Correct. He yeah. would he'd never been named before then. So they're going with Jack Napier as the Joker, so which weirdly ties this into the continuity Batman of the 1989 Batman, Batman film. Yeah. Okay. Very odd. Again, making the, I don't know, going with Jude Law, Colin Farrell, Jack Nicholson. This is quite a trio that we're dealing and with the, now. The thing yeah. is, they call him Jack Napier, and this will become evident as the film goes on. There's literally no reference to him being the same person at all. Like, there's none of the shit experience that they've ever had. Never, I think this is supposed to be like a little funny story. It's just a little homage. It kind of breaks yeah. the world. Yeah, 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 it completely breaks the film. Yeah, yeah, good. He gets to the he gets to the the tombstone of Jack Napier, but someone has scratched out the words Jack Napier and written the Joker. Joker. He starts to dig. Clark is back at the barn now, having reconstructed his ship. He turns it on and asks it to analyze the mask and the kryptonite that he found from the crime in Metropolis. The computer starts to beep and the mask starts kind of melting. It's it's going. It's going to process it all. 
Batman creeps over the coffin lid and suddenly a giant joker in the box jumps out on a giant spring, laughing wildly, mocking Batman. As Batman speeds off in his Batmobile, a report of trouble from the town centre comes in. Trouble in the town centre, Batman? <laughs> that doesn't sound like Gotham has a little town centre. Yeah, but anyway. So Batman arrives as two huge men, both dressed as butlers and both with their mouths sewn shut, are loading the bat signal into an armoured truck. Batman starts to attack, fighting off the hulking men. They are putting up quite a fight and Batman is on the back foot. When suddenly, a voice comes booming from out of the fog. right now. We've got to hit the road. You've already met teams one and two. They'd say hello, but I prefer my manservants seen and not heard. <laughs> now the Joker is back. And before we get into where this scene goes, I just want to point out the line that I hate. A good question, but there's no time for answers now. <laughs> 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 oh boy. I'm sorry, can I say my favorite? line from this whole section absolutely uh that's now now boys patience you can eat him later yes, yes. what <laughs> and also very specifically they can't eat very well at all their mouths are so <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you know that's the joker is what al- be doing to him the joker's always pranking people isn't he <laughs> i think a fun reintroduction to the joker very Joker-esque. Very Joker-esque. We love a monologue on this show. Oh, we love Villains love a monologue. There's more monologues coming up. We love a villain monologue. And that's a, that's a great Joker one. So the three, uh, the two Jeeves, Jeeves 1 and 2 and Joker, the three manage to momentarily best Batman. And they start away in the armored truck as Batman gives chase in the Batmobile. Batman manages to grapple from his car onto the truck, hanging from the back of it now. The Joker grabs him and he's squeezing tight around Batman's neck until he's almost passing out, dying. And then suddenly, one of the Jeeves stops him. The Joker tells Batman that he'll meet sweet Elizabeth in hell soon enough and they let Batman go. He tumbles onto the road with a thud. Batman lies on the street, beaten and shocked as the Joker, back from the dead, drives off into the night. Well, we have come to the end of part one of this cancelled movie report for Batman vs Superman Asylum. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you would subscribe, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. It really does help us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could give us a five star rating or most importantly of all, just tell a friend. We are completely independent here at Cancelled Movie Report, so your support means the world to us. And hey, what did you think of the movie? And did we miss anything? We would love to hear from you. 
You can always get in touch with us via cancelledmovies at gmail.com or at cancelledmovies on all of the socials. A huge thank you to Danny and Bill from Escape This Podcast for joining us on this cancelled movie report. You should definitely check out their podcast. It is a mix between tabletop role-playing games and escape room puzzles. And if you like the theatre of the mind aspect of this show, you're going to love their show too. Secondary credit to Bill for doing an amazing job voicing the Joker in this movie. And hey, maybe there's a cancelled movie project you've always wanted to hear about. Why not let us know? You can fill out the form in the episode description alerting us to a project and we may just give it the cancelled movie report treatment. I am Michael Campbell. I've hosted and edited this episode and Eden Porter was my co-host too. And we both produced the show. A big thank you to our amazing voice cast, all of which you'll find listed in the episode notes. And make sure you're listening next week when we finish Batman vs Superman Asylum. But if you can't wait, here's a sneak peek. The two begin to fight. It starts on page 92 and ends on page 103. Oh, wow. There is 11 pages of fight scene. The super Superman breath is used a lot in this fight to keep Batman away. But until then, take care.